Intellectual. Intellectual. The cunning. And the quintessential stud muffin. Joel, the moment I found out your mom plays with toys, I became her favorite action figure. She stopped playing with all the other boys. And as she gets ready to squirt and to blast, she'll squeal with pleasure and fluids will spill. As she listens to the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast with my dudes, Will the Thrill and Joe Static. And now, Will the Thrill and Joe Static and the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. Welcome back to the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. As you heard from the great Joel Gertner, I'm your host, Will the Thrill. And unfortunately, Mr. Joe Static couldn't attend the episode this week. And we have a guest co-host, Sean NG, KWK, the man. How you doing, Sean? I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the podcast. This is going to be exciting. (laughs) We are going to kind of roll through it. It's going to be great. And... It's a great fill-in because your wrestling figure knowledge, like I tell everybody, is just immense. You've been collecting forever. Your collection is amazing. (laughs) So I can't wait to get into it. But first, for our listeners, you can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. If you listen, please write a review. That's always helpful. And if you write a review, we're going to repost it on our Instagram and Twitter accounts. That's at SQDCircleAFP. Again, that's at SQDCircleAFP. And remember, we have an awesome YouTube live stream coming up on December 13th. That's December 13th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be reviewing the ultimate wrestling figures of 2020 we'll talk about one of them here we think it's a good figure and it's going to be fun to get sean's take on it but please remember to go over to that youtube channel hit the subscribe button hit the like button follow us you'll get all those notifications when we go live on december 13th at 1 p.m eastern standard time and it's going to be fun we're going to have giveaways we're going to do trivia giveaways we have some really great packages i have a fiend package an undertaker package and an Undisputed Era package. We're also going to be giving away some random figures, so it's going to be really, really fun. And you'll see some unboxings, and it's just going to be exciting. But with all that said, we want to get right into it this week. This is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. Sean is gracious enough to be up really, really late over in China to be with us. So again, we want to thank him so much for filling in this week. And what we're going to talk about to start off, Sean, is one of my wrestling favorite wrestling figure lines right now. This is the Jazz Wears Wick of Cool Toys AEW Unrivaled Collection. You've been raving about that. Come on, man. <laughs> All the time. I have been raving about it, dude. I'm excited. I actually was pretty critical of this Series 2. I absolutely love Series 1. Pretty critical about Series 2, as you know, and I've told you. But I got them in hand, and man, there's some really great figures. Yeah, they, they are. Once I got them, I looked at them. I'm like, man, you know, I think the paint job has done a lot better this time. That That's the first thing to me. My only issue 
Okay, and I think it's the scaling that they have to work on. You know, if I really have to be picky, then it has to be the scaling because some of the height of some of the some of the figures are a little off. So if you look at Moxley, he's like really tall, <laughs> and I was just like, I was looking at that the other day. I was comparing to some of the figures. I'm like, what in the world? Like, you know, Dustin Rhodes, it's too tall. But, you know, the figures are great. You know, if you look at them individually, they're great. That's how I that's how I feel about them. Yeah, totally, Sean. I think you hit it, hit the nail on the head with like we'd like to say here. The figures are great individually. There are scaling issues, but the paint on them are really good right now. I love that they also did a better job with the torso color. So that plastic color for the torsos and such are it has been corrected. And right. You know, I think the scaling for me personally, eh, you know, not a big deal. Where I'm a min on card collector, min in box collector, hashtag min on card for life. So, you know, for me, I'm not going to take them out. I'm not worried about the scaling, but I could see that being a huge issue for loose collectors. Right. I actually think, you know, with the accessories too, I mean, I do have to say the accessories are great this time as well. I don't think anyone will really really complain about the belt issue anymore because you know it's like the belt comes out in like every single set so far so you know before people were complaining about how there's no AEW title on the figures and and whatnot but if you look at this one they have it on moxley like on the regular release so there's absolutely nothing people can complain about now people may complain about the shortage of, of supply, but you know, to me, it's this, and you know, I it's probably it's probably an, an an unpopular opinion on this one, but as far as I'm concerned, in this situation, I would rather they make less than more, because if they make more, they're only going to stink up the you know the, the stores, they're going to be shelf warmers, everything. So to me. I, I really don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I think you, again, are correct. I would rather have a healthy line. And the less that are made, the more collectible they are. I think it's finding that really good balance, right? I think they do have to produce a right. little more. It's very tough to find them over here in the U.S. right now. They literally sell out within an hour that they're put on the shelves. So I could see how people are getting a little annoyed with that. So again, if, if Jeremy and the team and, and Gregory and marketing can, can find that healthy balance with Walmart to increase supply. So yes, they are available, but they're not sitting on the pegs like you said, because look, they're not as popular as a WWE product right now. You know, the ratings show that, right. the numbers show that. So again, like you said, it's that where do you find that balance? But again, I don't want to decrease the collectability and just have all these out there and getting discounted and all that jazz, you know? Right. But you also have to think of one thing as well, is that, you know, they work with factories. So if the factory is doing some sort of like a minimum number, so to speak, or by a certain number. So say, for example... You know, some lines may be, oh, the minimum has to be like 20,000. 
I don't know what's the exact number for AEW line. Jeremy probably have that, I'm sure. And, you know, if they increase the number, will it be increased by 10,000 or would it be increased by 5,000 for each one? Now, if you look at it like this, you know, if if you're just increasing by like 2,000 per figure, that's still like 10,000 figures total or actually 12,000 figures total for each set. But if you are talking about the factory is only willing to do, say, minimum of like 10,000 each time, then you're talking about another 60,000 figures. Yes. So, you know, it all depends on how the factory demands it, too. So, you know, for Jasper, I'm sure this one has to be a tough decision because you have a brand that is growing. And the number shows it is growing and they have a diehard fan base, but at the same time, it's not as popular as the so-called mainstream WWE line. You know, that's where it's getting a little bit of an issue, so to speak, you know, as far as I see it anyway. And then you have a situation where there's a cost factor, right? So if you want to increase your production and let's say move to another factory, which I think they're going to do. And Jeremy actually has been pretty outspoken about this, that they are moving to a new factory. Obviously, your MOQs are going to increase your minimum order quantities at the factory. And you would only assume that there may be a cost factor there as well. So you look at an increased cost there. Jazzwares is going to lose money then unless they pass that on to the retailer, which I don't think they're going to do because Walmart needs to hit their margins, obviously, at retail with these things. That's a huge factor there as well. And then, like you said, where's that balance where, okay, well, we have a diehard fan base of about, what, 700,000 people, 800,000 people. We're trying to get more people on the brand. getting, Getting close to a million now. Yeah, yeah. For big episodes. Yep. The last show was about 900,000 and change. So getting closer to a million, especially when they have big time episodes. But, you know, let's see if they can maintain that. If they can go to a million, if they can go to 1.2 million and and even get to raw numbers, it only helps, obviously, especially with that, like I said, with the factory change and the cost factor associated with producing and manufacturing these figures. But to what you had to say as well, as far as the availability and numbers, let's go back on that real quick. So as you know, I've been actually collecting the shipper cases and I've been finding these at Walmarts in the US. And my first shipper case I found was 349 of 2,472 cases. So right there you have 2,472 cases. And that was on the first Walmart purchase order. And then Ringside had about 1,000. Okay. So... Right there, you know, you got at least, what, about four, you know, three to 4,000 cases. On the second run, I just found they had 976. You got another 1,000 cases there. Okay. So what do you think? And then I don't know what ringside second run was. Probably about another, what, 900 or so. Probably for series one, you're looking at about 5,000 cases produced, maybe 6,000 cases produced. Well, you, you got to look at also, depending on the orders as well, I think. Like, you're talking about individual stores. So, you're just looking at the U.S., but you, you also need to look at, say, for example, the U.K. Yeah, Smiths. So, yeah. How, so, how many cases are Smiths getting? So, 
you know, you add all that to the equation, I would say that you're talking about what somewhere around total production was like for each figure. And I'm not talking about the chase or, or like one of 1,000, one of 500 in this sense, but you know, the regular figures, you're talking about maybe a production of like a 10,000 each for the first series total, if that's the case. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah, maybe a little less for, you know, some figures like the Young Bucks, you know, those were one per case. I know okay. that the Kenny Omegas, at least here, were packed two. Jericho and Kenny Omega was packed two per. They were kind of interchangeable there. So maybe there's more Jerichos and Kennys. But like you said, probably around 10,000 for those and then maybe, you know, eight for the others. How many figures were, were there per case? Because, you know, I never got a full case, though. So. Yeah, so they were coming in six per case, and I think they're going to be doing that in the future. And the case okay. pack uh, for Walmart on the original one were either two Kennys or two Chris Jerichos, and then Cody, the Young Bucks, and I think that was it. Cody, the Young Bucks, Jericho, and then two Kenny. And Brandy still short packed. Brandy is still short packed, and I have not found her yet either. So she was not on the original. I have it. You know. <laughs> I just have to rub it in your face again. I have it, yeah. I have it too, my friend. I got it at the ringside. I got the I got it from my ringside order, so I do have that one. I have not found it at retail yet, and people are a little perturbed about that. It's basically turning out to be a chase. Have you found the one of five hundred Cody yet? No, but I wanted to talk to you about this because we're going to no talk. You still you still knocking? No wonder you still knocking on my door last night. I. <laughs> Well, for our listeners, if you don't know, Sean has got the one of 500 Cody. I think he has two of them still. So, you know, that's awesome. And he's got a little surprise too, which we're going to get to in a bit. But for our listeners, because I want you to to review something else that just came out. And yes, I am knocking at his door. You have to break that up to you. (laughs) I had to. Yeah, I have to. Obviously, you're on the podcast episode. Jeez, we have to talk about these chases. So he's got them, but... They have been found in Florida, and I know I sent you some of the photos. The case packs on these are weird because they're obviously one chase per case, but the POs on them are different, and it says for the Cody, at least, the guy that found the Cody, the case pack said that it was, let me get this out here, it was actually 29 of 50, which was odd, 20 or 24 of 50. So that was the case where he, the case that he found the Cody in says that this was case 24 of 50. So I'm only assuming that there are 50 cases of Cody out there, some capacity. I don't know. It's really weird, man. Yeah. I'm confused, man. Like, unless they put two Cody's per, per case. Oh no, he found no, that that don't that don't even work. My my math is getting worse than Scott Steiner's, man. I'm, I mean I swear to God. <laughs> but man, maybe it's because like it depends on I'm just basing on what I think in here, so you know, it may not be true. But you know, maybe it's because they put like some into say for example into the ringside cases and put some of them into Walmart cases and that's why they're doing it like this i guess maybe and that means maybe smiths are getting them too could be they probably spread it so even out to a point where 
that everybody gets something, so to speak. Could be. Look, we did our math together and we said probably worldwide, not including ringside, there's about 300 of these, three, you know, 300, 350 of these going to Walmart or Smith's, right? So yeah. we know that for sure. I'm hoping Walmart gets more than 50. Again, I don't I don't know why this case is labeled 24 or 50, and I don't know why a Cody was found in these odd number cases. So that's kind of a mystery right now. I'm going to try to get more intel from, obviously, Jeremy or Gregory, so we can post that on our Instagram and Twitter page at the, SQD the Circle. Is, right? Sorry to cut you off, but to me, is that why didn't make it a little bit easier like it was back in the Jacks days that, you know, you just do one per 20 cases. It's a lot easier like that. I don't know, Sean. I thought it was it's being done like that. Easier like that. No, yeah. I know. Hey, look, I think they should go do away with the 500. I used to love the one of 3000s, right? So do a one of 3000 and then do a one of 1000. I don't think it dilutes it at all, but it does provide a little more product out there for the collector. And the collector marketplace, as you know, especially with the new stuff, is just high in right. demand right now. So, like, I just, I think if they did the 3,000 and the 1,000, it would be fun instead of the, the 1,500. I don't know about 3,000. To me, it's that I don't even touch the one of 1,000, so to speak. To me, it's like I would rather they suddenly have something like one of 100. Or even a smaller number, like how it was used to be. You know, guys would literally hunt for a one of 25 and one of 20. They're willing to pay. I mean, dude, I'm willing to pay. I was willing to pay for a graded, you know, one of 25 Rick Flair, you know? Yeah. So I don't see why not. I, I know some people are complaining, and you know my take on it, so, you know, I'm not going to say anything to you know make your listeners mad and everything else but to me is that the whole idea of limited figures are a great deal and i love it oh same That's here look i don't think at the po- on the podcast or our listeners are opposed to limited figures i just think we're opposed to secondary market people taking advantage of it you know what i'm saying i think it's a situation where there's a lot a lot of fake eBay auctions going up there and a lot of market manipulation via eBay. Look, Sean, I've I've seen a guy list the one of 500 Cody four times already, cancel every single one of his sold listings. And they were auctions. They were auctions. People are bidding on them. They're writing negative feedback for this guy. It's pretty crazy. And he still continues to list it. So Again, there's just a but lot it's of... it's always going to happen. You know, it, to no, me, no, to me I know. It's, that it's always going to have, have something like this happen. Yep. But at the same time, the market price is always going to be driven up either way because the popularity is there. So, you know, people are willing to pay at the end of the day. So, you know, what can I say? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I have had guys, you know, like before Walmart was getting the one of 500 Cody, I was still getting some really, really high offers. I was just like me being the stubborn me decided to, to put it into raffle instead of anything else, because, you know, I want everyone to get a fair chance. I've had like offers up to what? 1200 for one, but I just wasn't really willing to do it because I want everyone to get a fair chance at the end of the day. You know, people are willing to pay no matter what. Yeah, they are. And it's baffling because those, you're talking about one in 20 figures. 
I mean, that's what one in 20 figures go for, you know, pretty, pretty recently, you know, I mean, I, I had bought back my warrior for pretty much that price about a year ago. You know what I'm saying? And I understand that the marketing yeah. conditions change, but if I'm getting a one in 20, or if I'm getting a one of 100 for four or 500, $600 under a thousand dollars, why is the one of 500, a thousand? And I understand, like you said, it's the popularity, it's the hype, it's the demand, it's the willingness to pay for it. But just in my eyes, it doesn't make sense. And I'm just, I'm not going to participate in that. And I'm not going to support something like that because I know what I've paid in the past for figures that are quite frankly, more rare, you know, more rare and and pretty high demand as well. So moving on though, in talking about the fun and exciting thing about this is you have some first on-hand images and take on the new one of 500 and one of a thousand figures. You have that John Moxley, that one of 500 John Moxley and the one of a thousand MJF in hand. What do you think, man? What do they look like, man? Congrats on that. You just have to tell everybody now. Now, all of a sudden, you know, 200 people are going to be contacting me, asking me, like, can I see the picture? You know, great, thanks. Sean, <laughs> I, I thought you were going to give me the picture so we could post it on our Instagram, man. <laughs> you got to give me the picture God. so I can post it on the Instagram so nobody bugs you and they could just come to us. I, I, get, the, I get the first step. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but anyway, I like, I have to say, for Series 2, I do really like both of them. That's a surprise because you probably know I didn't really like the one of 1000 Jericho. It just wasn't really doing it for me. But the deco on the turquoise trunks on the MJF was great. The scarf was really nice. The other thing was the ring hand. The hand that he has to ring, that was fantastic as well. Again, you know, MJF tend to be a little bit shorter as far as the figure is concerned in comparison to Moxley. But Moxley was fantastic as well. I mean, I do have to say, especially, you know, how they have the two champagne bottles. Those are really, really nice because you can actually see the images and everything else. Like, it's a sticker. Don't get me wrong, it's a sticker. But, you know, in this day and age, you know, somehow they have to find a way to save cost. The Inner Circle shirt is hot. I think the only... Thing that I have a slight issue with the Moxley, the one of 500 Moxley, is that if you take out the shirt and put on the vest for the regular figure, it's the same thing. So nothing much changed there except for the accessories. So if you are going to go for the one of 500 Moxley, you're going for the accessory straight up. You know, I hope everybody's keeping that in package instead of take it out otherwise pretty much going to be the same as the regular one yeah Yeah, i saw that too and that's why i wasn't too high on it but you would think that you would keep it in the package so i mean it is a memorable moment when he broke the bottles over everybody's head and everything i really like the figure i'm probably gonna pass on this one because you know again like you said it's just the shirt it's the bottles i am so happy that the accessories came with it though because again i thought that the a little bit of the bubbly ringside exclusive should have came with those little bit of bubbly champagne bottles but technically it wasn't even created during that period of time so i get why they weren't made but i was very much asking for them to be made and it's fun to see them here 
Now, again, with the Inner Circle t-shirt, I'm only assuming we're going to get Inner Circle t-shirts down the road as well. So, I mean, again, if you're looking for both of these accessories, you probably just want to play the waiting game. But if you're a huge John Moxley fan, this is a great memorable moment for you all and, and go hunt for this figure, man. I tell you, if I find one, I'll help you guys out, you know, here stateside if I ever come across one, but not going to put it into the collection. I do like the MJF. I've grown on it a lot as the regular figure and the one of a thousand. I like the dynamite ring as well. It's just a little disappointed. I think for one of 500s and one of a thousand, just seeing the images, not having them in hand, I just felt that they should have done a little more with them. You know, you're a big collector of rare wrestling figures, especially one of a hundreds and sample pieces and one of five hundreds. Do you feel they like cheapened out a little bit with these two? I mean, could they have given us maybe some die cast elements? What are your thoughts there, Sean? I think they did a really good job with MJF to me because, you know, you have different scarf, you have an extra hand, you have a different tights color. It's pretty much a different figure, so to speak, to me. Okay, because, you know, when you have in this day and age, you know, look at look at Mattel. They have like 200 repaints of like the same guy. And, you know, you have this particular MJF. At least they put their mind to it as far as I'm concerned. And it's a limited figure. So, you know, it is something special, so to speak. My only issue with the Moxley is that if it was a breakaway bottle, it would be even more fun. But it's not. It's just a straight-up bottle. So that's one particular thing that I felt a little bit disappointed with. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. Just, yeah, I was getting your thoughts on that, even compared to you know, rare figures of the past. Because, you know, Jeremy's always been really crazy with some of the rare stuff like that. Again, the Terry right. Funk, one of a hundred, it's got blood all over the place. I mean, it's fun. Go to the employee exclusive, like you were just talking about that Ric Flair, classic superstars, employer exclusive, the robe with the diamonds on it. Oh my God, it's one of the best wrestling figures ever created. So I was just a little surprised, like you said, it's just like eh, a little less thoughtful, as we like to say, you know, here. But you got to look at one thing as well, is that this particular set, they have quite a bit of new molds. Because if you look at if you look at Panta, formerly known as Pentagon, his entire body except for the arms are new molds. So, you know, that is gonna cost something. And if you look at Ray Phoenix paint job, and again, you know, a lot of stuff was put in Hangman, for example, you know, you you know, all the accessories that go with it. They really did a tremendous job to it. So that may have taken away from some of the chase figures, I think. I think that's the major thing here. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that the, like you said, looking at the overall budget for this series, Series 2, and you're looking at the value you're getting, it's incredible. So you have to, like you said, take away from somewhere. And I think the chase figures definitely felt that. But maybe with that said, now that you already have the molds and some of these things now made in the future, maybe we could look to get, you know, chase figures that are just a little bit better. You know, just I don't say even better, just to have a little bit more thoughtfulness to them, have a little bit more, you know what I'm saying? Just like that little more oomph that I'd like to see in some of them. But I think that'll come with time. I actually think the forearm molds 
for MJF may be new. Correct me if I'm wrong, they may be new. I can't be sure because I kept my stuff in box, but I think they may be new. That's how I see it. So they do put some emphasis onto it, but at the same time is that, you know, they do have a lot of the old molds from the first series. So it's just a way to cut cost, I think. Yep. All right, Sean. Well, that's great that you got those. That's kind of a new receiving for you. For me, again, I got my Unrivaled Collection Series 2 set from Ringside Collectibles. Guys, be patient with Ringside. Be patient with Jazzwares. You know it's been very hectic out there with manufacturing and COVID and all this stuff. You'll get your figures. They'll come. Don't worry. They're going to increase production, I think, as we stated before. It's a great set. We're definitely high on it right now. Add it to the collection. Support this stuff. I think that's the most important thing is be patient and support it because we want to continue to see these wrestling figures produced. And for the quality and value you're getting, they're the best wrestling figures in the marketplace right now, Sean. Let's move on. We're going to move on here. We're actually going to get into this week's edition of the Gorilla Position right away. We will be back next week to talk a little bit more about receivings and everything. But Let's get right into it now. All right, the Gorilla Electricity in the air. Take a look at this piece of work. With you, stop. All right, everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the Gorilla Position. Wow, we are going back in time to 1996, and we are going to be talking about a bone crunching Christmas. And Joe really was excited. He wanted to be here for this and talk about this Jack Pacific WWF Superstars action figures, BCA Series 1. What's funny, Sean, I don't know about you back in the day, but the Christmas of 1996 are Christmas trees. Whatever you celebrate, all the gifts that were coming out, the trees were filled with these figures, man. And I remember just being there as a kid, sitting there with my family, opening these wrestling figures up and being like, wow, we finally have some new wrestling figures. I think at the time, for me, was because I think there was like almost a year that we had to wait for new WWF figures at the time because, you know, Hasbro was done. And I think, you know, at the time, I was still hunting for the green cards. I was actually studying in the UK at the time. So when I first found out about the BCA line and, you know, they would they were like, oh, they have these bone crunching sound. It seemed interesting for me because, you know, you you would have thought like, you know, inside the joints, they will have something to like making this crackling sound and stuff like that. So, you know, I was really curious and I was like, man, you know what? If I can get my hands on those, I will get my hands on those. And in the UK, they only released Shawn Michaels and Undertaker. Right away, I bought them, and it was fun. It, it was a really, really fun figure that, you know, you constantly just move the joints and you hear these sounds. But at the same time, though, I think I was a little bit disappointed. The reason why I was a little bit disappointed was that how easily loose the joints were, especially the hip joints. So, you know, that was a slight disappointment for me. But I still ended up collecting the line. Here's the funny thing about me collecting the BCA line, though. So I went back to Hong Kong for one year for a summer job. And, you know, plus work experience or whatever at the time. 
what happened was the place that I worked for, one of the managers got really close with me. Turned out that his wife was a manager in one of these trading companies. So I started asking him about it. And next thing you know, the next day he brought me, I think it was eight gigantic bags of BCA figures. Wow. And like all caught it. They were like, oh, these are samples, man. Don't open the packages. Being me being stupid at the time, right? I opened up everything. So like, you know, I got the blue blazer. I got every single one that they canceled. So the Owl Snow, you know, with the head, I even got the Ultimate Warrior from him. And, you know, that was supposedly one of the rarest at the time, which was like, what, 30 to 50 bucks at a time. But, you know, I was 17, 18. So, you know, I was just like, man, you know what? It was like Christmas because like all of a sudden I got like over two, three hundred figures like in one day. That's a great story, man. Yeah, it's like someone gives you a huge sack filled of BCAs and you're like a kid at Christmas, man. It's like Santa Claus coming to you, you know, and it's so fun, man. And I remember here was this, like I was getting home and I was in a bus and, you know, I had to carry all these bags and people were like looking at me thinking, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Because, <laughs> you know, I'm carrying these really, really big bags. They're like two, three hundred figures in there. So, you know, and my eyes were like glowing. I was like, man, I can't wait to go home and open them up. It was just crazy. But yeah, I do feel that I was a little bit disappointed. I think around that time, I already owned like 20 to like 30 BCA figures because they didn't really release every single one of them when they were out in the UK. Even for Series 2, they only released the red Shawn Michaels. I forgot which one was the other one that they had, but they didn't release every single one of them. That was an issue. I think later on, I've seen like Series 6, the full set, and I ended up buying the full set as well. But they had this just for a little bit, and then they had like full sets here and stuff. So it was pretty hard to hunt for BCA when I was in the UK. Yeah, well, here, not the same scenario at all. These were everywhere. I mean, you see the posts about the... Hasbro figures being everywhere in the 80s and 90s. That's how right. BCA was here. And it's funny, I have them sitting in front of me right now. And the KB sticker is still on my gold dust and it's got the 499 on it. Not even discounted. These are actually from when I was a kid. So I still have the ones that were wrapped up under my Christmas tree right in front of me to this day. And seeing that KB sticker on there for 499, not even discounted because again, first release. BCAs. These were incredible. Just want to give our listeners a little background before we move on, because we're going to kind of focus on series one here. But as Sean said, there's some notables out there. This line is very extensive. And it's really the start of the five to six inch figure or wrestling figure lines, which we find pretty interesting with accessories, like Sean said, with the BCA sound and movement. And then with that, you know, kind of swivel articulation in the legs arms and as he said at the waist but series one again released in 1996 did consist of undertaker Shawn michaels in a blue attire so more of his i guess this is his summer slam attire would you say i guess they were basing yeah yeah you know the the ladder mat yeah the ladder match attire you had brett hitman hart you had diesel razor ramon in his purple attire and Gold dust with the removable wig, and that removable wig was so fun, Sean. 
Yeah, but you know what? How they made the head, though. It's like, you know, the head couldn't turn. And I, I was collecting loose at the time, so I didn't care. But, you know, the head was a little bit different, like, you know, compared to the rest. I do have to say the glue that they put into the, the neck pack was really a little bit too much at times. So, you know, you couldn't really turn the head. And I think that was one issue I had as well. Because, like, I constantly ended up breaking the neck pack by accident because of how much glue they put in. That was a production issue. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. It's a huge production issue. And you, like you said, some of these joints were very, very loose. Some of the even crunching actions didn't work. Even to this day, you can pick up a figure and there's no sound coming from it. You know what I'm saying? And it was weird how it was like that rubber design too. So it was kind of flexible, but inside it had that kind of plastic crunch joint, which was interesting. Very interesting design. I've actually seen some photos on it online on Google and stuff like that. You can actually see, I believe someone has posted the patent for this and how it works, which I thought is very interesting. We'll probably post it on our Instagram and Twitter pages this week at SQD Circle AFP. So go follow us there. What do you think about the line? What do you think about the lineup to start a wrestling figure line? What do you think about the actual selection of the line as far as the wrestlers were concerned? I think at the time, they really didn't have much choice. I think at the time anyway. I mean, think about it. The whole line was all of the top guys. So, you know, I think it was also because of how bad the relationship with Hasbro turned out at the end. That maybe they wanted to, you know, come in with like a huge bang or something. But if you look at it, you know, they push out Diesel Razor who at the time people were already knowing that they were going to be going eventually because you know internet rumors all these kinds of stuff saying that all kinds of problem with management at the time and then you have Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels Undertaker Goldust I mean you know the weakest link was probably Goldust in the entire set if you think about it but you know all of the other five guys were like top top you know in the entire company I mean, you're right on the cusp of the Attitude Era, you know, really in the thick of the new generation. Diesel, Razor, right. Brett, Sean, all that feud. No, I agree with you. I think aside from Goldust, him being the weaker link, him being a heel, I mean, what would you have put in place of Goldust, really? Imagine if Razor and Diesel, they weren't allowed to sneak them in. Man, that would have been crazy. You look at Series 2, it's got Undertaker again, Brett again, Shawn Michaels again, and then they replace everybody else with Owen Hart, Warrior, and Vader. So, I don't know, what do you do? You throw in Warrior, Vader, and Owen? Does Warrior sign a deal by the time these are released in the summer of 96? I think so. I think he, I think he already did. Okay. I think he already did, because you look at Vader at the time as well, because Vader pretty much is like, Warrior came back in, and then Fader came in as well. They came in around the same time, remember? Yeah, yeah, you're right, yes. Yeah, yeah so he's, he's yeah. definitely there. So, you know, to me, it's that if you don't put Goldust in, the other one that I could think of would probably be one, two, three kid, and that's it. That will be the only other logical one, but then you'll have, like, four click members in, in the entire line. That would be fun, though. Just to give our listeners a little history lesson here, to my knowledge and from, from my understanding, I don't believe we ever got a Superstars BCA 123 kid. Now, we got X-Pac, 
in various renditions as far as, I mean, again, this is an extensive series, guys. I mean, they had best ofs, they had signature series, they had two packs, they had the stomp. They, I mean, this BCA line really, really spanned across many, many, many different styles and repacks and repaints. And, and we'll get probably into that a little little bit more in depth on another episode of the Grill Position. But yeah, one, two, three kid would have been so cool. But then like you said, it's all click, right? I mean, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, hey, I think this line in general is pretty memorable. You know, just going back real quick, looking at these figures and even the cards that they came on, I really like the cards. And obviously, you know me, Sean, I'm a min on card collector. I absolutely love Right. The cards because I think it's a part of the package, right? I mean, it's art. Don't want to throw that away. You know, I just think it's a disservice to right. everything that these wrestling figure producers do. So these cards were really cool. I absolutely love that they had the in real life photo of the wrestler on the card. Right. You had the low the actual wrestler's true logo. I absolutely love kind of the LJN throwback with the fans on the front as well, which was really cool. Right. And then if you go to the back, really cool back of the card as well. You have all the wrestlers in the line listed. It's actually an image of their actual figure. You have a nice little blurb. You have how the bone crunching action works, which is pretty funny. Right. <laughs> right. I, I, that's the thing that attracted me too. You know, like I look at that and I'm like, okay, you know what? I really want to bend that elbow. <laughs> you know? Like some kind of twisted mind, all of a sudden I want to bend that elbow so badly. You know, it wasn't just that too. It, it how Jax actually took the old LJN ring mold and turned it into a monster ring was another thing that I felt. You know, they really wanted to do something with this line, and at the same time, though, is that you know I think you know to me is that the most attractive thing about this set was always Diesel and Razor. And I can tell you this, I didn't get them until like in the beginning of 2000s. I couldn't get them anywhere else except for in the U.S. So, you know, in the early year 2000, I was in the U.S. So, you know, I instantly bought them off eBay because those were the only two that I needed to complete my set. I know. It was pretty funny that you mentioned the Diesel and Razor. If I had to pick two in this first series that I like the most, I would have to pick those two, especially the Razor. I think the Razor is probably the most accurate and the best looking of all of them. And even his purplish kind of burgundy color looks great. I love the gold chains molded on him. It looks fantastic. Everything about the figure is just super fun. But as far as Diesel and Razor are concerned... I couldn't find these. You're right. I didn't have them either as a kid. They were even difficult to find in KB and Toys R Us. So I never had them. And I had to pick them up like you several years later. And I actually, unfortunately, sold them and then got them back two years ago. So <laughs> before everything went crazy with BCA. So you know what's funny, though? That I didn't know until like later that I got the uh, the hard copy prototypes and you know i i don't have them anymore because you know they were lost when they were shipping back to hong kong and i now only have a stone cold you know it was the big round stone cold head with the t-shirt mold now i do have to say the final product i guess it's because of the plastic 
So some of the the facial features were a lot more round and, you know, the eyebrows area or whatnot on the sculpt is actually a lot better than the final product that comes out. That taught me one thing. It doesn't matter how the, the prototype looks. The final product will always look very different because of A, the paint job, B, the type of plastic. That really brought me to different level of understanding in terms of, you know, differences between a resin hard copy prototype in comparison to a final product. So that was really a wake up call for me. Yeah. So you're getting one of the first different style articulated wrestling figure lines out there. You're learning all these new things as far as production is concerned, especially during the time that these have come out. And it's great that you have that reference and example for learning about the differences between the prototypes, the hard copy resin prototypes, and the actual final production or manufacturing of these things. So that's really good insight for our listeners. Well, at the gorilla position, what do you think, Sean? Are these still highly underrated? Do you think they're too underrated? Do you think they're as popular as they're going to get? I know there are other podcasts out there that have tried to hype these up, but you know, prices are kind of not too crazy. And I don't know, I, I find these personally, I find these super nostalgic. I absolutely love them for what they are. Do you think that they're underrated? Do you think that they should garner some more support? What do you think about the Series 1 bone crunching action figures from Jack Specific overall? What are your thoughts? I think it was an innovative concept. And if there's one thing about Jacks that I always admire over the years from the lines was that they were always innovative with even some of the details, you know, accessories and whatnot. If you look at all the years that Jacks have made the figures, BCA was a very in- innovative concept. If you look at Titantron, they were the first guys that introduced real scan. Right, you know, on the face and everything, and then you have the R three, which was a little bit of a disappointment from, if you compare it to all the lines that Jacks has made, all the main lines that Jacks have made, you know, and then you go to R A and D A. Again, everything was innovative because if you look at R A, they started implementing a lot more cloth accessories, making the figures look a lot more realistic. I mean, I know. You know, some of the modern-day collectors still bash the RA line and whatnot, or even the BCA. But I think it is a little bit underrated for the BCA line. But if you compare it to the impact that it has in comparison to, say, LJN, in comparison to, to Hasbro, in comparison to even the RACS lines, in comparison to the Mattel line, I think what they had, as far as the BCA line was concerned, was where it got underrated. It got like shoved kind of, you know, under the rug, so to speak, in comparison to the other lines because of the impact that it didn't bring in. Do I still love the line? Absolutely. That was the first line that brought me into Jax. But as far as the impact's concerned, it wasn't as big, I do have to say. Yeah, and it's very sad because overall, 
And I think what we need to do is we have to maybe ask our listeners to think a little bit differently about this. You're right. The overall impact isn't that big as far as from a collector's perspective. People do underrate these figures. However, if you look, as you were just saying, overall on what it did for wrestling figures in general, the impact was huge, right? I mean, you have a new innovative line created, patent created for this bone crunching action. You have kind of a five inch figure, you know, so we're going in that direction, making things a little larger, making things more articulated. And throughout the years, Jax improved upon that. So this is basically the starting point, the foundation for all of that. And I think that's that's a huge impact. So I hope that our listeners can maybe rethink this, revisit it, give a little love to the BCA because they're great figures. It's an amazing series one. I absolutely love the cards from these series. Again, I can't get over it. It's got everything. It's got the photo of the wrestler, the logo of the wrestler, the wrestler's tagline. It's got card variants with bone crunching sound. Sometimes it's in foil. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just written there. It's it's just crazy. It's a fun line overall to collect. You know, we could talk about the history. We could talk about the overall impact. But I think it's great. And we think it's great here at the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. And that's our position. So listeners, we love BCAs. Love them. Buy some of them up. Add them to the collection, even if it's just Series 1. And tune in next week for another edition of the Gorilla Position. And welcome to the Oh My God Figure of the Week. Sean, before we get into the Oh My God Figure of the Week, I just wanted to mention two things about the gorilla position. I did want to say that to all our listeners out there, we sometimes make mistakes. And I do remember, actually, the 123 kid was slated to be in that series one. I forgot about that. So when when you mentioned him to be in there, he was actually slated to be in there and he was replaced by Goldtus. At the last minute. So there you go. I was, I'm yeah. wondering if there's actually a prototype of the one, two, three kid out there. I've never seen it. Could be interesting. So that's something to note there uh, for that line. And as we said, it spanned from 96 all the way into the early 2000s, which then Jack's transitioned into the Triton Tron live series. So with that all said, We're going to get into this week's Oh My God Figure of the Week, Sean. And we're going to be discussing a Mattel figure. And this Mattel figure is the Legends Series 8 Ultimate Warrior. And I know you, Sean. So I'm still collecting Mattel. I'm I'm going to give a long sigh for for this. (laughs) For our listeners, the Beast from the East, Sean N.G., does not like Mattel at all. Well, I don't say at all, but uh, I, I want to say... I, I, it's, okay, okay, okay. Let me clarify, okay? I have abandoned collecting the Elite line simply because, number one, the overproduction. Number two, the I, I don't feel the collectability anymore. Number three is that, you know, 
it seems like whatever they pump out, I think the I think the last time that they have a new mold was the uh, what's his name uh, Keith Lee on the new mold, and everything else just kind of <laughs> you know to me. Am I really bashing it? Not really. It's just not for me. I mean, if you guys like it, hey, go for it. It's just not for me. That's all. I I'm just into more of a limited run figures than you know something that everyone and their mothers will have that's just my feeling towards it no and that's good that you know you came out here and you did explain yourself and it hey man yeah you got to collect what you like to collect so nobody's gonna pass judgment on it or anything like that for example i absolutely love the legend series now one thing i dislike about the legend series and dislike about the elite line as far as legends are concerned as you mentioned sean they are doing a lot of reissue stuff and not only reissue stuff but they're going back because they don't really have much else to make or produce they're going back and remaking a lot of these classic superstars figures now in Mm -hmm. some instances they're not better than the classic superstars versions it's a strategy that I believe Mattel is implementing because, again, they just don't have much to draw on anymore. So from my perspective, I'm getting a little, little, little kind of like bored with it to a certain extent. You know, I do love the legends. I'm going to continue to collect them. I love the million dollar mans that are going to be released. But again, we got the gray million dollar, gray suited million dollar man in the classic superstar belt pack. You know, so I mean, again, it's right. just they have they don't really have much else to take from because they've done everything. It's getting to the point where it's because, you know, they've just done everything. You know, you had the license for see, 10 plus see, years. Here's the thing. That's that's the argument that some of the modern day collectors are going to say, oh, Jags have made everything. That's why it was making it difficult for Mattel. You know, that's the argument there. Yeah. But you know what? I can say to that is, okay, yeah, they made everything, but now Mattel's making everything, and now they're making everything that Jack's made. <laughs> and more, you know what I'm saying? I do agree. So again, it kind of, it's like, uh, man, uh, I understand why they're doing it, and I understand why they're going back, because the paint app is updated, and the sculpting is getting better, and you have new technology that makes it even more lifelike. So... I get it, but at the same time, it's kind of like, oh, wow, well, well, we've seen this before. So anyway, let's get to this Ultimate Warrior, though, because you know me, Sean. I am a huge, huge fan of the Ultimate Warrior. Big time. You know, I got some big pieces. I got some big pieces (laughs) off of you from the Ultimate Warrior. I think, maybe. Maybe I did. I don't know. I don't remember. But anyway, um, big Ultimate Warrior fan. Yeah, I do. I have the Mattel... What was it? One of a 20 WWE 2K Ultimate Warrior exclusive from you. I got that from you with the duster, actually, which is really cool. Was it for me? Yeah, that was a Lucy God, from you. See, I, I don't even remember these kinds of stuff anymore, man. <laughs> yeah, well, I want to thank you because that's an incredible figure in my collection. And I remember getting that from you because you had a bunch of them without the duster. And I was like, no, I need to have the authentic duster for that figure. And yeah, we worked out the deal and... Yeah, sitting proudly in my collection, bro. So I got that. And uh, what do you think? What's your thoughts on the Legend Series 8 Ultimate War? As you know, this is from his last appearance in a 
WWE ring. This is yeah. just prior to his death. I know this is a very, very emotional figure for a lot of people. What do you think of it? Do you think they executed it properly? And do you think that it's a little too close to home? Should you do it? Shouldn't you? What do you think? Well, you know, it's a significant moment. Let's be honest, because it was like, God knows how many years since Warrior was in a WWE ring. You know, they had all the right accessories and everything. I was just hoping, at the very least, they would have done a different head. Instead of the same head mold that it was used for the 2K14 Warrior. So, you know, that's the first thing that I felt they could have done a little bit more. Or even, you know, make an extra head. That's how I feel about it. The coat that it has, I mean, I don't have it, but I was told that it's very flimsy. So why can't they make it thicker? I don't know, maybe cost-cutting measures or whatever, but you really tell me that it has to be, like, really thin. Because I know the Ultimate Edition Warrior, the coat that it has, was very, very flimsy. It's like paper weak, so to speak. So I just don't know about that one. It's just... And also, you know, the suit mold, I mean, couldn't they do something more instead of just taking it out from old molds like i said they haven't really done any new molds even for that so it's just like oh we got these molds let's just pump them and just like put them out in the market so people will buy that's how i feel about it you make a lot of great points here i think that people are very hyped up on this figure because of it being a significant moment it's interesting as we talk through this figure i believe it's an oh my god figure of the week and an oh my god figure of 2020 because of the moment but when you look really deep down and you do look at the parts that are used you're right the suit is off of probably some of the older builder figure suits or whatever from you know maybe that triple h figure or something like that right i mean it's definitely a reuse there the head looks pretty much similar to that 2k14 war i mean i have them both in front of me and you look at them and there's just minor differences they did use the true fx so like you said when they do a true fx imprint and paint on some things it'll make it look different because of the updated technology a little bit but it looks like the same thing to me and this goes to all of Mattel's soft goods I agree they're getting flimsier and flimsier and I don't know if it's to balance out that budget they always talk about but I do like the artwork on it I think the Rob Schamberger artwork is incredible but again just a little flimsy and I don't know if it's a cost thing And maybe a fit thing as well. Maybe they're using this lighter fabric to have like a better flow or a better fit on the figure. But I don't like it. I like the fabric that Jazz Wears is using with the AEW Unrival collection a lot better. The fabric can easily curl up as well. If you, you know, you you mint a car collector, you don't know. The more filmsy they get, the easier they get to curl up. That's one thing that uh, I'm not really into i mean like i got the first ultimate edition and you know once i got that warrior and Alronda, that was it for me i'm like okay i'm so done with that because the quality just isn't there anymore as far as i'm concerned the fabric ugh, it's just very very thin i could pick it up i could see through the light once you have that it's just like oh my god man like what's the point Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that because everybody complains about not having soft goods, right? And now 
I think to appease that in a way to cut costs, Mattel's giving us soft goods, but they're not giving us soft goods in a quality fashion. Uh, it's the lesser of two evils. Do you not put them in there at all then, you know, or do you put them in, in, in at a cheaper? It, it's so tough. And I know, and I understand it from even their perspective. They're like, man, we can't make this right. I can only imagine Steve, like, well, I mean, I don't want to go here, but pulling his hair out, let's just say, and <laughs> for metaphors sake. I mean, I mean, here, here's my argument, though. If Jaswar can make soft goods like this thick, I just don't see why why they can't. You know what I mean? Unless their budget is really that low. It could be. But like you said, I mean, the value you're getting with the accessories in a Jazzware AEW product, it's not even with the accessories. It's with the actual figure, the molded detail on the figure, the ratcheted joints in the articulation of the figure, the accessories... The packaging design, it's so much, I feel, higher quality and more premium than the right. Mattel product. And you're you, getting you it know, at the you know same price, you know what's Sean. Funny too? I realized one thing. I mean, I, I haven't touched any new Mattel figures for quite some time. But before I actually stopped collecting, what I realized was that the plastic on the Elite figures were thinner than before like they were lighter weight than say comparing to the elite series one so i don't know if you realize that no i don't john you want to know why guess why hashtag mint on card for life baby i don't open these things (laughs) (laughs) oh man so yeah no but i i totally understand what you're saying and just comparing even something like the jazz wears aw product and we're getting a little off topic so we're going to reel it back in on this note but even comparing the weight to some of the Mattel figures I do have open today to that, and you could see there's a difference there as well. So yes, I agree with you. And it's interesting. You know, look, I think that this Ultimate Warrior figure is great. Obviously, for a complete Ultimate Warrior mark like myself, it's a must-have in the collection. I have actually three of these. That's how insane, insane wow. I am, Sean. You know that. Thank God I have none. <laughs> Hey, man, if you ever want to trade one of these Warriors for that Cody, let me know. That 1 of 500 uh, Cody. John, next. Next. <laughs> oh, man, I'll tell you. But no, look, I think, look, if you ever did want to pick one up, and I don't know if you have access to one, let me know. I can get one for you. I'd, I'd like to get your no, thoughts thanks. on it. I, I'd like to get your thoughts on hand. Maybe I'll just. Maybe I'll just send it to you. I, I think I may have your address in, on an incoming package soon. So maybe I'll just send you one just to get your thoughts because you do a lot for the figure community and you help me out with a lot of deals, which I'm very thankful for. And I really do think that regardless of all this reuse and whatnot, I really do think, like you said, that moment is just so special. It's so memorable. And you need to have this word in your collection. And again- No, thanks. You- I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to get it to you, man. I don't know what you want to do with it, but I don't know what you're going to do with it. You've been... Is it like an April Fool's? I mean, it's not even April yet. Okay. No, 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 no April Fool's. This is going to be a Christmas present from me to you. And Aww. and again, the artwork's great on the back of the code. I, I do agree with you. I don't like the curling. It does happen on this very, very thin fabric. So just be aware, guys out there, if you are displaying your figures, it may happen. You may even have to probably iron this figure eventually, which is pretty crazy, especially if moisture gets to it. So we do want to pay homage to Warrior. 
We do want to, you know, obviously remember those final moments in his career and in his life. And for those reasons and all those reasons, that's why this is an oh my God figure of the week. And you'll never forget the name Winston Toys Rockin' Wrestling Figures or Erasers or what are they? Wow, Sean, these guys are something else. Winston's Toys, this was a figure line and just a merch line that a lot of people forget about. They were based in the 80s, kind of like took a backseat to the LJN stuff, but in the, in the Hasbro right. stuff, obviously, but produced a lot of merch, produced these erasers slash figures, and they were themed off of the Hulk Hogan Rock and Wrestling show, which was a cartoon right. in the U.S., and it was fun. Everybody watched it. I know I did when I was a kid. I, I watched abs- it when, when I was in Hong Kong when I was a kid. Yeah. It, it, just, was, it was, yeah. Yeah, fun show. I, I loved it. I loved the animation, too. I thought it was spot on. For the time. So we're going to be talking about their one line, though. Again, it's more of a figure line, I like to call it, than an eraser line. But I guess these were technically erasers. I think a lot of people get confused, too, because Winston Toys were going to make actual flat erasers of these Hulk Hogan Rock and Wrestling characters. But they actually ended right. up never producing them. I know your buddy Mark Bushy has a couple of those prototypes, right? Yeah, he had a couple of those. I don't know if he still has them. I think he sold all of them already. Yeah, he sold one to me. I do have a Hulk Hogan in my collection, which is cool. Instead, though, we're going to talk about the actual release set of figures, which included the Hulk Hogan, JYD, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Iron Sheik, Jimmy Snuka, and the infamous Wendy Richter. Her first figure, I believe. Right, right. It was. And I was checking on the eBay prices and, you know, the most recent sold price was at $325 in package for the Wendy Richter. Wow, that's that's getting up there and not too bad, though. You know, I do see them loose around 200 as well. So you can definitely find them, you know, loose around that. But you got to have it in uh, package, right? Well, in package, Junkyard Dog went for $710. Wow, really? Yeah, and there were four that were sold together loose. The asking price was $1,200, but I think there was a best offer that was accepted. I don't know how much it was, but you know, I'm sure it wasn't too far off. That's pretty crazy. Well, th- these are definitely rare, and they're in high demand now. I think... Again, you got to look at the card. The card art is amazing. Love the animation. Love the rock and wrestling, Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling TV show. So I think it, it just ties in with a lot of nostalgia here. Which one is the most rare, you would say, of the bunch? I was thinking that the Wendy Richter was, but man, it looks like the JYD's up there now. Yeah, it looks like JYD is up there now. I mean, you know, there are not that many on eBay as far as I can see, but if you are looking at just to get into an entry level you probably want to get the supervised jimmy snucker and the hulk hogan those two are the cheapest the last two were sold pretty cheaply i may add for 60 dollars mint on card 
That's not bad at all. That's very affordable. Yeah. If you did want to have something mint on card, you have that nostalgia there with the artwork. I love them. So just a little bit about Winston Toys too. It's in my backyard over in Fairford, New Jersey. It's funny that they're in my backyard too, because there's a local toy show that actually Joe's at today. He's vending there, Joe Static. And there's a vendor at these toy shows that actually always has these in his possession, in his case, and the complete set of erasers and everything because he knew someone that actually worked at Winston Toys back in the day. So I found that really cool. They were based in New Jersey. And a lot of manufacturing was also done in the US in the 80s. So people don't remember that, you know, especially vintage toy lines. That's really cool. The style of figures are really, as we said, they're more figures. They are technically erasers though, but they're almost like the Bendems or the Bendies, you know? They do look like bendies, with the exception of the fact that, of course, you know, they can bend like the bendies do. But, yeah, I mean, even if you look at the Hulk Hogan, the two Hulk Hogan versions, you know, one of them in particular looks exactly like a miniature version of the LJN Hogan. It does, and that's what I was just going to reference. I'm surprised they didn't get into any sort of copyright issues or anything like that when they created this line, you know? It's just so odd that they were able to do something so similar to those LJN-style figures, you know? I think it was also because, like, at the time, copyright issues wasn't as big. You know, you look at these two lines, you know, they are very similar because of that as well. You know, I mean, we talk about like early 80s here. So, you know, all these copyright issues wasn't really that much of a major deal. People were talking about like copyrights and things like that. Probably you're looking at something like in the 90s. So, you know, absolutely different there. Yeah, that's interesting to note as well, because, man, look at all the bootlegs you had going on, right? I mean, it was, oh my gosh. So many He-Man bootlegs, so many wrestling bootlegs. And then, I mean, you got them as you got went into the 90s. You know, you got some of the, I don't know if even you want to call these bootlegs, but you got like Fun School, that which are really not bootlegs because they were manufactured off the old molds and they weren't done illegally or anything like that. But then you have like stuff like IWC and, and all these weird and yeah. obscure wrestling lines that were very much bootleg. This one isn't really bootleg, though. I mean, this is an officially licensed product. And like you said, maybe just a little more lenient, you know, at the time. And maybe also because WWE was actually okay with it. So they just turned a blind eye, perhaps. Yeah. And technically, they are racers and not figures. So I guess it's all how you use the license. And it's based off of the Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling show, not WWF, right? So it's like... right. There's a wiggle room there. You know what I would like to see, Sean? Imagine if a company did these today. How cool would that be? Oh, I I don't know if they would do that, though. Like, I, I just don't see it because the nostalgia is there, but it wasn't even popular back in the day, if you think about it. We're going to talk real quickly. We're going to go off on a little bit of a tangent, which is pretty relevant to this. But our good friend, Adam junk shop dog over in australia has just released new wrestling figures in an old style and these are what we've discussed here on the podcast in the past these are called poppy wrestling figures right poppy yeah poppy poppy wrestling figures some people say poppy i technically sean it is poppy correct i think so yeah okay that's how i called it ever since i was a kid so 
Yeah, and that's what a lot of people are saying, but other people are saying Popey, and I think it's Poppy as well. Okay, so he has come out with technically, quote unquote, Series 2. He's paying homage to technically what a lot of people say are the first North American wrestling figures ever created, the Poppy line of Japan. What were they produced in 81-ish or something like that? I think so, yeah. 8182. 8182. So he just released his Bruiser Brody, and people are really excited about this figure. I know you got one from a Japanese online retailer. What did you think? I got it directly from Hao Ming because, you know, Hao Ming got the first batch first because, you know, he was closer and he got the shipping first. And they had this special package where, you know, the figure would come with a special t shirt. I bought the, the regular one you know, the whole set right away. And just today, I bought the limited to 220 silver, they call it chain version of the Bruiser Brody. To me, I, I like it. It makes me want to go and collect the entire poppy line now. It's getting harder to find the first series. I kick myself in the head every single time that, you know, I didn't get them when I had a chance in Japan. The whole idea of bringing back this nostalgia stuff it's actually a pretty cool concept, with the exception of the fact that there are so many lines that WWF slash WWE has made. So, you know, you really have to look at what's really having that edge on collectors. I mean, you look at Mattel making the retros and, you know, it got hot for a little while, but I guess they just didn't sell well. And, you know, you look back at the classic superstar line, they made the LJN ones. And they also made, what was it, uh, the Young Bucks themselves made the LJN style figures. And you look at the market value, it's not really strong. So, I don't know, I mean, you know, the classic superstar LJN figures, you know, as long as they're in package, they are going pretty high now. But, you know, when they first came out, they weren't popular at all. I passed on them when they first came out. So that I'm a perfect right. example of a demographic that didn't connect with it. Actually, growing up, I never grew up with LJNs. I never had them in my collection. Uh, I'm a Hasbro era kid, Hasbro baby. And LJN was just before my time. And I don't even remember seeing them yeah, in stores. Yeah, I'm a little older than you. So, you know, I was connected with LJN. But at the same time, it wasn't accessible for me that much anyway. Hasbro, on the other hand, was more accessible for me when I was a kid. But I did have knowledge of LJN sitting in front of me, that type of stuff. But about these erasers, though, it's just I don't know if that many people will actually collect them. That's the problem. You never know, you know. I mean, you know, they can come out and suddenly guys like, oh, I love it, and just boom. I would say a lot of collectors right now, it's really hard to read. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think a lot of them is just like, oh, I just want them to want them at yep. times. Yep. Um, so, you know, you, you never know. I mean, you know, it can work. It may not work. Very true. The hype is, like you said, the big issue here. And you don't know how they're going to respond. If you hype it up, you hype it up, you hype it up. Maybe people will want to buy it. But then who knows? Maybe down the road they sell it real quick or they get rid of it. And then, like you said, the collectability goes down because there's a ton of these flooded the marketplace then. Who knows? But I personally think that for the Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, I do think it was a fun cartoon. I think it is a memorable cartoon. And this right. is where I think Mattel also drops the ball a little bit. They stick to the formula, 
right? They don't ever do anything that's a little crazy. I mean, they're starting to do it with like exclusives, but they're even safe, right? I mean, the Macho Man Slim Jim thing. That, that... I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, here's the thing. I mean, you know, that's one thing that always bugged me is that the so-called chase figures, the chase figures are supposedly rare, has some kind of higher level of market value, not something overproduced. And to me, chase figures, should, it shouldn't be called chase figures, it should be just called a variant. I know I'm very old school with that kind of stuff, but it's true if you think about it. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think that they're chases at all. They're more variants. The thing is, I, I don't see I'm not even considering those in this. You know what I'm saying? Like, as we talk about that, I'm not, that's not even what I'm ref- referencing. I'm more referencing like, you know, Mattel's exclusives, like I would say ringside exclusive, or I would say an SDCC exclusive, because I don't know, they just stick to the formula too much. Like, and they have the ability to do something like this, right? Because they have the license. Right. And I'm sure that they have the ability to create a Hulk Hogan, an Iron Sheik, a, maybe even a junk junkyard dog right now they've just produced wendy richter now whether or not she's still signed to a legends deal i don't know but again it's a situation where you know maybe for some of these exclusives and for some of the especially the con exclusives do a little more do something fun and throwback like this as a one-off i mean come on they have mattel creations what are they doing even with that you know at least at least hasbro has fun things right they have fun exclusives so i just think they're a little lacking in that area and this could be a fun little throwback nostalgic thing they could do to kind of test to see if it has any life you know that's the thing that i've been saying there's no collectability in the line is that it's the same stuff Your, your exclusives is pretty much the same stuff as what's you know what's the regular releases are let's be honest yeah. There's nothing that it's like, oh, that pops. You know, even though I don't collect the line anymore, I still do look at some of the pictures. And I'm just like, man, you know what? I mean, I think the, the latest quote unquote cool stuff was the Rowdy Rye Piper and Mr. T2 pack. That was a little bit more thinking outside the box. But even that is just like, so, you know, that's how I felt about it. As it was announced, I was very underwhelmed by it. And as as I saw it and I looked at it, I was like, okay, but I have not bought it yet. I will when it goes down in price because I know it is. Well, I've always said this to people. With It seems like with Mattel figures, it's always like, oh, when it first released, the guys that cannot wait just jack up the price like big time. And once everyone's starting to get it in the Walmart through Amazon or whatever, I mean, it's easy to access as well in comparison to before. So then, you know, the prices are going to drop and then you wait maybe around six months. Two things can happen. Either they go up in price like crazy. And I haven't seen really the recent ones that have gone to that extreme with the exception of the Holly Ray set. Or you will find them in big lots for like $10, $12 a pop. Yeah. So, you know... Is it a really good idea to like overproduce and, and like flood the market to a point where it's just like there's no point in, in collecting? I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not collecting for the value. But at the same time, is that, you know, oh, this minute, you know, especially if you go into Facebook as well, is at this minute, oh, this guy has it. And then, oh, that guy has it. Oh, this guy has it. 
oh, everybody has it. And it's like, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I get it. And so. look, I think you need to do thing that's fine. You know, you got to have a mass market line. But I think right. what they lack, and again, and goes to my point about the Hulk Hogan's rocks and rock and wrestling, I think they need to improve on doing fun things and doing collectible things, that really collectible things. Right. You know, that Macho Man, Slim Jim Macho Man was fun. I liked it. But even then, I mean, it, it is collectible. It is higher in price right now. There's a few exceptions, again, with the ringside exclusives and whatnot. But, man, do something really fun. Bring back a retro figure in a cool packaging, right? Like for a Comic-Con or for, you know, something special, limited, 5,000 pieces, 2,000 pieces, 500 pieces, whatever you want to do, right? But make it limited. And for some reason, they want to do that. And it's a little bit sad, but moving back to Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Wow, what a memorable TV show cartoon. I remember right. getting up early watching it. And these are fun to collect, Sean. As you mentioned, not too bad with the eBay prices. Low entry level for the Hogan, for the Superfly. Really, really love this stuff. And yeah, you got any uh, final thoughts uh, before we end the segment, my friend? I think this particular set, for me, it does bring back some memories, you know, from the cartoon or whatnot. I wish they made Andre, though, but they didn't make Andre. So that was, eh, you know, that was a little bit for me. Other than that, man, I mean, you know, I always liked the bad guys anyway. And it's like, you know, they didn't make too many bad guys. It was like, what, they made Roddy Roddy Piper and I think Iron Sheik were the only two. And then every single of the other ones are, you know, all the baby face characters. No, yeah, very limited bad guys, but still fun, right? I would love to see Adam at Junk Shop Dog do something like this. And again, it would be kind of difficult because of the whole licensing aspect of it. But maybe if he could get maybe an independent person, I don't know. It would just it would just be really really fun to see one see, of these. You were talking you were talking about Junk Shop Dog. I was talking to the other day, and I was like, "Are you planning on making other guy jeans that were huge in Japan?" And they do have plans for it. I'm hoping this Bruce Brody do sell well because I am hooked on this line, I have to say. I am too. I'm right there with you. I have the chain style 220 variant on the way to me. I love the silver. Yeah, same I, here. I, I love the collectability. I have the regular version on the way. I just love the reproduction card backs. Oh my God, they look so great. And... This is what I always say on this podcast. It's so crazy to me. The best work that is being done are by people in the community. That just baffles me because you have multi-billion dollar corporations here. I don't know if they just don't get it. I don't know if it's just difficult for them to pitch on a corporate level. But something nostalgic like this is just so fun, so cool. With that said... We absolutely love the Winston Toys, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling figures. We absolutely love Poppy. We love all these little obscure lines. But these are all the reasons why you'll never forget the name Winston Toys, Hulk Hogan, Rock and Wrestling figure. All right, Sean. Well... Before we end this, I just want to say thank you so much again 
for filling in. We're not going to have a main event today. I know it's super late up over there in China. I got to get to editing this podcast, but man, I had a blast just shooting the shit with you about wrestling figures as I always do. So thank you so much for guest co-hosting the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast this week, my friend. Thanks for having me. You have an extensive prototype collection. You have an extensive wrestling figure collection. You do sell some of your stuff as well. So tell our listeners, give them your information so they know where to find you on all your social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, KWK, Kayfabe Wrestling Collector with a K, and also on Instagram, KWK underscore Sean, S-H-A-W-N. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Sean, for coming on the podcast this week. And listeners, thank you so much again for listening. Don't forget, write a review. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SQDCircleAFP. And also, don't forget to tune in to our first ever YouTube live stream, The Ultimate Wrestling Figures of 2020. That'll be on December 13th, Sunday, December 13th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And remember, the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast is the gold standard in wrestling figure collection.